And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 212 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, 212 doubles for the 1973 Giants. How about that? Two, they, oh, they, they hit exactly on the nose? 212? You're kidding. 212. Really? Check out this outfield. Gary Matthews, 22 years old. Gary Maddox, 23 years old. Bobby Bonds, 27 years old, and they even have Dave Kingman, 24, on the bench. How are you going to screw that up if you're a team? Wow. That's one of the things that just amazes me. I mean, that's some batting titles there. That's a lot of all-star appearances. Um, Yeah, that's that's really impressive. But you know what? They didn't quite hit as many doubles that year as Gene Segura has in his career. (laughs) Gene Gene Segura is sitting on 231. The 250 is not far off. Load up the confetti cannons. Oh my gosh! Why does that make me laugh? I've I've said it before. That's that's uh, Lucille Bluth and Gene Parmesan. Every time it gets me laughing. Ah! <laughs> it's just such a great callback, Gene Segura. For anyone listening who doesn't understand, when the Giants were in Philadelphia last year, Gene Segura got his 200th double, and they like stopped the game, and he doffed his helmet to the crowd, and it was like, and they put it on the scoreboard, and we're all looking at each other like. What? What? Why? Why are we beautiful. stopping the game? So it's beautiful. Yeah. Um. I, this is going to be a weird podcast, and I'll tell you why. I didn't watch any Giants last week. I watched. Uh, ooh, well, let's see. I watched uh, last night's game, which was a Monday. Uh, that's about it. I'm I'm coming in fresh. So I'm counting on you, beat writer extraordinaire, to fill me in on every last detail of what happened. Well, let's see. The Giants won a three-game road series for the first time since mid-June. That's good. Okay. Um, And, uh, you know, I mean, the Cubs aren't very good. We know that. Um, But there was a lot, I think, of positivity that came out of that road trip, even though they looked pretty flat in Milwaukee. It was a tough travel road trip. They they had to turn around, obviously, and, and got in like at four in the morning. Um, you know, Monday night, or, or I guess Monday morning, and then had to play a game that day. So um, things are going to start to normalize for them, and I'm sure they're going to be very eager to have Thursday off this week uh, because that was a tough, a tough travel trip, having to lose the travel day and and then playing a doubleheader in Milwaukee and, and facing Corbin Burns doesn't make it any easier. He's about the best pitcher in baseball. So, uh, but you know what, At Wrigley, you had a game where. Logan Webb pitched great. Camilo Duvall got the save. Joey Bart caught a good game and hit a homer. David Villar hit a homer and a double. And all those guys are homegrown giants. All of them are under the age of 25. All of them will probably be a part of the next good Giants team. And then um, 
the following day they got another win and Duvall got another save and um uh, and and you're reminded that hey you know Wilmer Flores is still pretty good and oh you know let's just go ahead and extend his contract and uh that's what they did uh I was not surprised at all by the Wilmer Flores extension and I know that there's going to be some consternation uh in the comments look I I, I wrote something about it in a published early this morning there's already 68 comments uh about Wilmer Flores coming back because people don't want to think about the Giants returning with the same roster next year. There's a a knee-jerk reaction to, you can't run it back again, are you nuts? At the same time, Wilmer Flores just makes so much sense for almost any other roster, and especially the way the Giants put one together. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you heard Farhan Zaidi say yesterday that there were any number of clubs that were contacting them and wanted to trade for him. And, uh, um, you know, you can say, well, trade him and then re-sign him anyway. And, you know, I guess they could have done that. But, um, you know, they, they feel that Wilmer Flores is important. He's a glue guy. I think he and Evan Longoria are really glue guys for that clubhouse. And, um, and you know, we've talked about why it makes sense to bring Longoria back. And and obviously they uh, they they're big Wilmer Flores fans and they they've got him around for a couple more years. They've talked about how Jock Peterson they've been in touch with his agent. They've talked about how they're going to tender a contract to Mikey Stremski. So yeah, you start to look and it's like wait wait a second where's this where's this uh, blow up here where where's where's the uh, how how are we going to to remake this roster if you just bring everybody back and you know I, I think it obviously not everyone's coming back I think. The writing is on the wall for Tommy Listella that there's just not going to be a place for him on the roster next year, um, and you know they're they're trying out some other pieces, and we'll see how how. Uh, but I tell you what, I, I I thought it was funny, and I wrote about this the other day. Normally, you have a David VR come up and 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 sort of intrigue you and think that he could be your everyday third baseman maybe, and and that pushes out a veteran like Evan Longoria. Instead, I think the fact that VR is showing some competence. Uh, is a reason that you would bring back Longoria because you've got, you know, a plan B behind him when he can't play and and you'd be bringing him back uh, almost as a part-time player. And these moves do not preclude the Giants from doing anything else that's big or major, which I think they do have to do something big and something major. Um, you know, they're not the Pirates. They're not the Royals. They can give $8 million to Longoria. They can give $6 million to Wilmer Flores, and it's not going to keep them from making other moves. So save the complaining for if they do not make those other moves. This is probably where I'm at. I will say that there is a caveat where I don't think that the Giants can have so many limited players on the same roster where you have uh, guys you don't want to play in the field and guys who are limited to DH and and guys who are going to be hurt a lot and guys who can't play this position and that. like You start to build a 26-man roster and if there's a lot of yeah buts with all these players the dominoes start to fall and you look up and you have guys up from the minors that you weren't expecting. You have, uh, you're spreading yourselves really, really thin. So I think a guy like Flores makes sense. And then you can have a guy like Longoria who you can expect to miss 50 games, 60 games every year, but you can't build an entire roster out of yeah, but players. And that's the one caveat that I'll give to the Giants is they're going to need some players who they expect to play 150 games come hell or high water. Oh, I totally agree. And I think it's a mistake to bring back Jock Peterson if you're going to start him, you know, 80 plus times in the outfield. I think he's a DH. And, 
you know, they, they've got to have a better outfield defense. He's not a good uh, defender in the outfield. He's, he's below average. And um, I don't think they can afford to have many of those guys. I think Mikey Stremski is an above average outfielder. Put him in a corner. He's a really good outfielder. He's a really good right fielder. Uh, and I think they need to have someone who's plus plus in center. And they need to, uh, they need, they cannot allow what happened this year defensively to happen again. And if you start bringing back too many of those players and you put them in roles where, you know, you're going to have, um, you end up with, uh, you know, Jock Peterson in the outfield 80 times, that, that's that's a mistake. I think that is not that is not going to be ideal. I agree. And I you can look at Yastrzemski and you combine him with Austin Slater. That's an outfielder to me. That is one outfield position. It can be left field. It can be right field. It can be whatever you want to do with it. Those two are complementary players. And then you can work on the rest of the outfield, but you can't start pushing them to center field and and having Estremski play against left-handers all the time. And you've got Jock Peterson in the outfield. You just can't do that. But you have a head start a little bit on a starting outfield where you have Slater, Estremski. They have their flaws, but they also have their strengths. You can focus on the rest, whether it's Aaron Judge or something a little less splashy. That's what the Giants need to do. They, They can't mess around with so many limited players. Yeah, totally agree. And, um, you know, and one guy I think fits uh, in a lot of different roles is Tyro Estrada, who had himself a nice road trip. And and a lot of people are talking him up in the season he's had. And, um, you know, again, not a perfect player, but I I think he's having a better year than, say, like a Kettle Marte for the Diamondbacks, who's making a whole lot of money. So that tells you how valuable uh, a player like him is. And uh, and he plays a pretty darn good shortstop. And I think that you're probably going to see, you know, Brandon Crawford, when he comes back, play a little bit less last year, uh, next year too. And, And probably Tyro will start more at short. I definitely see that happening. Yeah, and you have to wonder what they're going to do with J.D. Davis. Uh, you know, all, all these guys are right-handed hitters uh, that we're talking about. So it seems like they have that right-handed part of the platoon, at least in the infield and what you're going to do with the DH. They have that lockdown now with Flores and Estrada and J.D. Davis. It's going to be, how do you replace Tommy LaStella? What do you do with Lamont Wade Jr.? How are you going to get that left-handed production if you aren't bringing Jock Peterson back? I think that's going to be the focus of next year. Yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be a big focus. And what they do with Wade is a great question. I don't know. I don't think they know. But I think that the main takeaway here is that they feel that you know, a lot of things went wrong this year, but it doesn't mean that you just throw everybody out and start over. They, they still see a lot of value in some of the players that they have, and they just need to get better at catching the ball, and they need to hit more home runs, and they need to protect leads better in the bullpen, which are three pretty big areas to fix. Oh, and Carlos Rodon's a free agent, and they have to either resign him or replace him. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the, you start looking at, they're, they're a little bit closer now. And, and Cole Waits uh, got activated uh, Monday, and he is officially the first guy uh, from the Farhan Zaidi era to be drafted and to reach the major leagues with the asterisk that Caleb Killian, uh, who was traded to the Cubs for Chris Bryant, uh, already did so. Um, and so this is the first guy, Cole Waits, uh, from the 19 draft class uh, to make the major leagues. And if he is the first guy uh, to start that little wave happening, that that's going to be encouraging because I think Kyle Harrison will be on the team next year at some point. I think Casey Schmidt will be in the big leagues at some point next year. He's been uh, uh, really put himself on the map and, and some people think he's an even better prospect than Marco Luciano at this point. Wow. Um, yeah, so I mean, I've heard that from people inside and outside the organization. So um, yeah, they're, they're, they're getting closer to where they can start having those inputs and that they haven't had that yet. And you could say that that's a development issue. You could say that that's, you know, there are people whose heads should roll because of that. Or you could just 
just say, you know what? Pandemic, man. There was no minor league baseball <laughs> in 2020. Let's 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 be a little patient here. And I think that uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing. But um, but yeah, it's clearly what what has to happen is they have to start getting those inputs from the minor league system and then work around that with those big splashes and and those big moves and and maybe they're getting a little closer to that now i don't want to make too much of it because we haven't even seen a pitch from cole waits yet but it feels to me like there's something uh, like a, a demarcation line when it comes to dominic leone being released and cole waits coming up because that's where the giants are really deep is with relievers who throw hard and might make an impact. Uh, They all have to work on their command one way or another, but we talk about them. It seems like every podcast, whether it's Waits or RJ Dabovich or Randy Rodriguez, it feels like that is an area where the Giants could surprise sooner rather than later, get a lockdown bullpen from the internal options and be a little bit better than maybe everyone's expecting. Yeah, I I think so. And and you see that a lot of times in these... um in these uh, sort of seasons that go awry, you reach that that like that day where a team will cut ties with a couple of players. And I, I think back to, uh, oh gosh, I'm not sure what year it was, maybe 2011, when uh, Aaron Rowand and Miguel Tejada were both um, uh, taken off the roster on the same day. I want to say maybe it was the last day in August. And then uh, uh, they brought up people from the minor leagues, which I, I think it was like Brett Pill. <laughs> I'm not sure who it was, <laughs> um, but 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 yeah, you you definitely have that sort of point that you reach where it's like, okay, um, you know, we, we have these people on the roster basically as a courtesy at this point. We need we need to move on from that, and uh, you know, it, it in some sometimes you you bring up people who are you know kind of red letter prospects, and other times you just you just bring up people that you want to give a little bit of a look to, and uh, and I think Cole Waits has deserved. The look, he's 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 filled up the strike zone more than he has. He still has some command issues, and we know that they're not going to call up people who are not ready to throw strikes. And so they, I guess, have a reasonable expectation now that he'll be able uh, to throw strikes. And and he's got a fastball that'll you know be 97 and, and touch 100. So uh, that that will work. You know, that's nice, (laughs) especially if he can throw his slider for strikes, too. So, um, yeah, I'd be really interested to see how he does and and uh, and just how he looks and and whether he could put himself on the map to be a part of, you know, next year's opening day bullpen. Yeah, I would think that is the idea where you have Duvall and you have. Uh, maybe Cole Waits sneaking in there. John Brebia, I think his he doesn't have the high strikeout rate, but he seems like a someone that they like quite a bit. After that, I just I'm not. So sure that you're going to see Harlan Garcia back or even Tyler Rogers. I think there has to be some sense of uh, there has to be an open mindedness about the bullpen and how you attack it. And you can't just spend money and throw money at a bullpen in free agency. That never works. You don't want to give up your best prospects and trade. You're a little bit limited as to what you can do if you're not going fully internal. But you have to be open-minded if you're in the Giants front office because this bullpen this year has been a really, really rough struggle to watch. Yeah, I, Tyler Rogers is really interesting to me because he had a good road trip and he threw strikes and he got ahead. And that's been the difference. If you know the ball is to be caught behind him and he still gets a lot of low exit velocity outs. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to give up on Tyler Rogers. I think he is going to be part of the next bullpen, but um, you know maybe he's used in less leveraged roles until they they know that he can get ahead of hitters and throw strikes again on, on a regular basis because that's that's been the big key. I mean, strike one, 
man, I mean, it's just, you look at the data and the teams that that throw strike one efficiency, um, it's like the Dodgers every year. They lead the majors in it. It's just, it makes a world of difference if you can just throw strike one. And and, uh, Tyler Rogers, when he does that, is, I think, still one of the better setup relievers in baseball. Um, uh, But, uh, you know, obviously, anytime he's struggling, it's going to be confirmation bias if you don't believe in the 70-mile-an-hour stuff. and, and, uh, And he's had that kind of year. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Another guy who's opening eyes right now and looking good. He got a save uh, last night. We're recording this on Tuesday. Scott Alexander, you mentioned him early. When you went to Sacramento, you heard whispers, yeah, this this guy, he's going to be in the majors soon. And this was my introduction to uh, Scott Alexander being in the minor leagues, to be honest. And I was going, really? Scott Alexander, the guy from the Dodgers who just kind of floated? Yeah, he seems like a, someone who can work because he has a really good sinker that he can command. And it's a funky pitch and the Giants love their funky pitches they do and he's um he's got five plus years of service time but he won't get enough to get to six so he'll be in his last year of arbitration so they've got uh, club control over him and he won't you know make you know a, a ton of money as a last year arb guy because he hasn't uh, you know he's only had really two full full seasons in the majors um with the Royals in 2017 and then with the Dodgers in 18 but uh but yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy who who throws with some deception and and um, you know as long as he can shows demonstrate some durability, uh, I, I think he may end up being the replacement for Harlan Garcia on this roster next year. And and and, and Harlan is, I mean, hard to know what to make of him because he didn't give up a run for two months and then <laughs> and then his um, his numbers in in June and July were terrible. And then in August. I think he had 18 strikeouts in one walk in 15 innings and gave up a couple homers, but you know that that strikeout to walk will play, and then it's been rough again for him. So um, you know, hard to know, but I think the key is, you know, Harlan Garcia is out of options, and that I, Scott Alexander, I have to believe, is also well, he's got more than five years of service time, so it doesn't matter. Uh, you can't send him down to the minor leagues either. But I think they're going to have to get some more option optionability in that bullpen. I agree. Garcia is to me one of the most maddening pitchers. Uh, on the team because I just I'm never sure what to expect like you said from month to month but he's not the most maddening pitcher the Giants have introduced this year Uh, Junior Marte to me he can throw some of the nastiest pitches I have ever seen and his ERA is 6.28 which he absolutely deserves that guy drives me nuts because he should be so good yeah, and he throws really, really hard too. Yes. <laughs> it's um, it's a little tough to fathom. Um, and you know, I I think uh, he's got thirty seven strikeouts in thirty eight innings. And a lot of times you look at the stuff and it's like, how does anybody hit that? But 
He's averaging 1.5 base runner per inning. That's just too much. And, you know, he's averaging more than a hit per inning, which is it's just unfathomable. You, you think his stuff would be so difficult to square up. But I think they probably need to add a little deception there, um, maybe change an arm angle a little bit or or, or find a way because there, there are guys who throw really, really hard. But if you can see the ball the whole way, and I'm thinking of like a Hunter Green from the Reds, um, then, you know, they're going to give up the share of homers. And uh, and that's obviously something uh, that's important to the Giants is home run suppression. I think it's probably the number one thing they look at after strikeout to walk ratio when they are, um, you know, prizing uh, sort of relief targets. And so, yeah, he's, he's going to have to either either keep the ball in the ballpark somehow, and maybe that means adding some deception. Now, do you think the Giants can improve the defense enough to stick with a bunch of lower strikeout relievers because they have Tyler Rogers. John Brebia doesn't have a strikeout per inning. Uh, Garcia doesn't have a strikeout per inning. Uh, Zach Littell is under eight per nine innings. Sam, Sam Long isn't striking out a ton of guys. Do you think it's possible? Because we know the Giants are going to try and do their darndest to improve their defense this offseason. Is it possible to get a defense in place next year that's good enough to carry guys like this? Or do you need to stack the deck with guys like Cole Waits and maybe some more high strikeout arms? That's a great question. And maybe they get to a point where they realize it's easier to build a bullpen of swing and miss guys than it is to... Um, you know, really appreciably fix the defense. But, I, you know, I think regardless, they already have a rotation that you know is, is built that way. Logan Webb's coming back. Alex Cobb is coming back. Those guys are definite ground ball pitchers. Um, so I think that, you know, it, it probably is going to be really important for them to fix the defense anyway. Yeah, I agree. And the, the big question to me is what you do with Brandon Crawford. I know we talked about this last week, so I don't want to rehash that too much. But I just, every time I go on baseball reference, my eyes just go foomp right to him because if he is not, a superlative fielder in his age 36 season. How much offense are you going to get out of him? He had a couple of great at-bats last night, but at the same time, that's it's such a tricky spot because you know how valuable he can be, how valuable he just was. Uh, but next year, what can you expect from him? I don't have the answers, and I'm not sure if anyone does. No, and it probably is going to be one of those things where they have to, you know, think about, you know, having some other alternatives and you know, whether that's you know, signing someone like a Trey Turner who can, you know, play short uh, and spell Crawford sometimes and then also, you know, maybe move over to second base when Crawford's out there. Um, and I don't, I don't know. You say, well, he, he wouldn't want to sign and have a role like that. Give the guy enough money and, <laughs> and he'll play. He'll sell hot dogs for you, right? Um, so, so yeah, it's. Uh, I, I do think that they probably will have to have a little more coverage there, which, frankly, they haven't had the entire time Brandon Crawford's been a giant. I mean, he's never had a backup who could, you know, be an everyday player or somebody who, um, you know, where there's not a pretty significant drop off. I think Joaquin Arias is probably the best backup he's had, um, uh, unless you count now Tyro Estrada. So um, it, it's kind of been an ongoing issue for the Giants for a long, long time. And and Brandon Crawford's played a heck of a lot of baseball and 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 been very, very durable. Uh, but obviously, it's uh, it's it's been a difficult season for him. Uh, just because I don't want to forget this, and I apologize for the, the jarring shift in the uh, uh, inelegant segue, I just wanted to ask you a trivia question. Uh, who is leading the Giants in batting average right now? Oh, my. Wow. Minimum 75 plate appearances. Minimum 75 plate appearances. Um, okay, well, I don't want this to be my final guess, but I, I'm thinking Luis Gonzalez has, has put the bat on the ball a lot. Um Boy, it's not Yastrzemski, that's for sure. It's not Jock. Uh, um, uh, 
David VR doesn't have enough uh, plate appearances yet, right? Right. 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 Uh, hmm. Actually, uh, he does. He does. So you can't have David VR. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to go with Luis Gonzalez. It's Jock Peterson. What? Really? Two, 267. Yeah, I saw this yesterday. Actually, Austin Slater uh, is at 267. So I guess uh, Peterson went down to 267 recently. So this wasn't as funny as when I looked it up yesterday. But yeah, Jock Peterson, uh, he's the guy who gets more hits than anyone on the team. And I just want to throw this out there. I get that it's better to have a high on base percentage than it is to a high batting average. And the Giants have a lineup filled with guys who can take walks and grind out at bats and get the pitcher out of the game early. It's not that fun to watch, though. I, I could go for a 300 hitter or two next year. I think that's a that's a worthwhile goal. So um, I think a week or two ago, I was going through all kinds of offensive numbers and I, I was playing around with just, you know, where where is this offense? Where has it landed? And basically, it's a league average offense and mm-hmm. it's got league average power. And I think um, last year, it was obviously one of the best offenses in the National League. It was the number one power hitting team in the National League. And this is not a team that can win with a league average offense, uh, given where the bullpen is, given, you know, the defensive mistakes. They, they, this has to be a team that out hits its mistakes as it's currently uh, formed. And they haven't been able to do that. But one thing that I noticed that was just crazy is that the Giants led the major leagues in plate appearances with the bases loaded. Led the major leagues. You don't think you think about like the the Blue Jays or some of the you know the, the Astros, some of the high octane offenses, and the Giants have, have created more of those situations. And it kind of makes sense the more you think about it because they walk a ton. They have a lot of guys who aren't going to score uh, station to re- station, right? If if it uh, requires moving more than ninety feet uh, on a hit, and so they load them up a lot, and they you know they, they were doing okay with the bases loaded. It was like you know two fifty five average. You know they they knocked in like a hundred and something runs. It was the most in the majors. Obviously that's you know because they had the most uh, opportunities, but it's not like they were terrible with the bases loaded. But um, yeah, they're not they're not you know. They're not hitting those three-run homers that they hit last year. So they're loading the bases a ton, and they're sneaking out some runs, but they're not putting up the big crooked numbers. And I just thought that was fascinating, and it kind of is almost emblematic of just what this offense has done this year. Yeah, it, it's a confusing offense because they can do quite a bit of quite a bit right. They you've you've covered Giants teams that couldn't hit water if they fell out of boat, and and uh, I've complained about them on the old internet. And this is not one of those teams that can struggle against Corbin Burns. They can have their moments, but they generally work counts and do some of the things well. And it's not that difficult to imagine the Giants having uh, a slightly above average offense next year. Uh, maybe if they get someone like Aaron Judge, they could go even further. But it's also not that hard to imagine the Giants having a good rotation next year where you have Logan Webb uh, in place. Alex Cobb is looking great lately. Uh, and then you get someone, maybe you resign Rodon or you re- or you sign another pitcher. It's not that hard to imagine. And then that leaves the bullpen and the defense. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm too close to all of this and I'm not seeing the forest for the trees, but uh, it's not that hard to imagine something better than this without that much of a, of a remake or a do-over. Yeah, and I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, and by the way, I did just look it up as uh, um, I was listening to you. And it's now 174 
plate appearances with the bases loaded. That leads the majors, and number two is the Dodgers at 159. Wow. <laughs> and and uh, the, the fewest in the majors is the Pirates with 62. So, Whoa. I mean, I know, it's nutty. There's only, the league average looks to be around maybe one, 117, 119, right around there. Uh, the Mets are 15th with 117. So the Giants have had 174 plate appearances with the bases loaded, and yet they're, you know, pretty much a league average offense in terms of runs scored per game. So, uh, yeah, that's just, wow. That That's kind of like a snapshot, isn't it? Yeah, that is wild. That is, I did, the Pirates only having, what, 63? That sounds really boring. The Braves have had 88. That's it. And the Braves score a ton of runs. Well, I guess that's because they, they have some team speed on there where you got all the, they got a bunch of guys who are like 23 and can run like run like the Dickens. Yeah, those whippersnappers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it must be nice. Must be nice. Youth must be nice. Yeah, that is, it, the the Braves, when you look at that lineup and, and you've got, gosh, what do we do with Ozzie Albies? Ozzie Albies when he comes back. Uh, we're not sure if we have room for him because we've got all these young players in the lineup. That's rude. That's ridiculous. I, I, I rebuke that. Yeah, champagne problems, as they say, although um, maybe nice, nice, uh, Maybe a nice glass of, of Southern Comfort instead. Ooh. You know, one time I got Southern Comfort because I thought it was uh, bourbon. Uh, oh. This was early in my drinking days, and I was like, oh, I'm going to have a whiskey and Coke tonight. And I got Southern Comfort and Coke. That is gross. Why does Southern Comfort exist? Is it is it peach schnapps? Is that what it is, basically? No, it's just like a really sweet version, like a bourbon-y, sugary. It's gross. It's the grossest thing I think I've ever tasted. <laughs> I love how you just stop yourself in the middle of the description it was like, let's just skip to the end. It's gross. Yeah, it's just I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just too refined, and I'm a, I'm a snob now. Yeah, well, you you can't make a fuzzy navel without Southern Comfort. So, I, I, I gosh, how would I have gotten through college without uh, having fuzzy navels? So, what's a fuzzy? I mean, I, I've heard of it. It's like a Harvey Wallbanger. I know it exists, but what is a fuzzy navel? Um, it's Southern Comfort and orange juice, basically. Um, so That's gross. it's kind, it's kind of like a really sweet <laughs> screwdriver. Yeah, it's. Yeah, but that's that's uh, that's what a fuzzy navel is. I have a headache right now just listening to that. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Would you, if you could go back to college and tell yourself, hey, maybe mix in a glass of water? Uh, would you do that? Because I would. I think I would. Yeah. No, I probably would. I. You know what? I wasn't a super uh, bingey, heavy drinker in college, but you know, you're you're experimenting with your limits, and sometimes you go a little beyond where you should. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I definitely think of like, when I think of like fraternity parties, I think of, you know, people drinking like Midori and really awful. It's like, why, why are you drinking that? Just stick with beer. It's fine. Yeah. I wasn't a big, uh, heavy drinker in college. I experimented with like Marcus Jensen, uh, Dante Powell, Wilson Delgado, Doug Mirabelli. Um, this is what I spent my college doing is just watching like the 1996, 1997 giants, uh, left some lingering effects. Like it's why I'm here now. Yeah, yeah, those those uh, that that leaves uh, a permanent brain pattern on you. Um, I was talking to, <laughs> I was talking with Adam Copeland on KNBR the other day, and he was mentioning, you know, the the watching a team in September that's out of it, and you're you're all excited for the players who come up, and he starts dropping Jason Ellison on me, and then he drops an Adam Shabala on me, yes. and I said that is some knowledge, man, dropping Adam Shabala, and he left me with Justin Knadler, and then I just like I. I just have to go. I, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm overcome. I'm overcome with emotion now. He is so good at that. He is uh, obviously the best radio host when it comes to that stuff. Uh, you, I'm not even 
sure if Brian Murphy can compete because it's it, Copeland loves that stuff. He loves just going in and getting like a he's not just going to drop one Edward Guzman. He's going to drop an Edwards Guzman on you. Oh, yeah. There's multiple Guzmans. That's for sure. And uh, I, I had to uh, mention that that um, if he was a big fan of Ben Copeland, since they have the same last name, sure. uh, Ben Copeland, the answer to the trivia question, who was the Giants first first pick in the um, 2000, what would that have been, the 2005 draft, maybe, 2006? Yeah. I mean, fourth round. They didn't pick until the fourth round that year. That's uh, just amazing to think back. <laughs> On purpose, right? That's On the purpose. year. That's the year where they're like, no, 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 we don't want that first round pick. We're going to sign Michael Tucker. Or was it a different one? No, you know what's crazy about that? I mean, the part that people forget is, you know, before you had to offer arbitration uh, to the free agent, you know, it wasn't a qualifying offer, but you had to offer arbitration uh, to a potential free agent. And if you did that, then you you uh, attach the draft pick compensation. And so Michael Tucker wasn't going to make, you know, a, a ton of money, but he probably would have made like six or seven million in arbitration. And there's no way the Kansas City Royals were going to offer it to him. No right. way. And the Giants signed Michael Tucker one day before the Royals were going to have to make that call. And they did it on purpose so that the Royals would, would then obviously offer arbitration, knowing that the players already signed elsewhere. Uh, and the Giants would, they, they they punted. They punted a first-round draft pick. And it is it was a different time, I know, but it is just impossible to believe that a team would do that now. It's just, it's just alien. Still drives me nuts. Still drives me absolutely nuts. Uh, all right. We are out of time. I'm just going to drop uh, what out of the four plate appearances that Julio Ramirez had for the 2005 Giants. Which one stands out for you? Oh, uh, probably the, um, the second one. <laughs> he did have a hit. Uh, so there was one of them in there, but I did not remember that Julio Ramirez existed. Angel Chavez was on that team as well. Didn't remember him. All right. Yamid Hod. I just leave you with Yamid Hod. That's like my go-to when it's like a, a random Giants backup catcher. Justin Canadler's good, though, so I'll go with that one in the future. But Yamid Hod, that's, I love that name. All right. This has been episode 212 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back on Thursday. It's an off day, and we will talk about what happened in the Braves' the last two games, the series finale. We will see you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.